Welcome to Podcast West Seattle Pandemic Diaries, Volume 12. My name is Andrew. Each week we check in with someone in the neighborhood to get their perspective on pandemic life. This week it's West Seattle resident Ileana Gonzalez. Come to find out, a month later I wake up and the world's different too. We also do a quick check on how our family of four is holding up. Why do we keep staying here? This is Podcast West Seattle Pandemic Diaries. It has been 88 days since our family went into isolation, and in spite of King County entering Phase 1.5 of the Great Reopen and the several days of protests and marches that we would normally participate in, we have stuck almost completely to our quarantine. On June 3rd, however, we did have an opportunity to participate. The parents of a friend of Felix's made us aware of a student-led virtual protest, a group of about 25 people appropriately socially distanced on a busy street on the south side of West Seattle with signs reading Black Lives Matter, George Floyd, and a nice rainbow sign that Our Felix made. Our are working hard for change, and this is a street with a lot of bouncing balls to give people hope, and this is where they get to their destination. That's what happens when a poet meets a six-year-old. <laughs> Because we want people to see our signs, to think about some stuff. Yep. The response was almost entirely positive. It was a very small gesture, but it felt surprisingly good to feel connected and to allow the kids to participate in communicating important social ideas. On the pandemic front, we continued to grow accustomed to the new normal, We have now had three months to acclimate to this life, and we have all had the good fortune to stay healthy during that time period as well. I recently spoke with Ileana Gonzalez, a West Seattle resident who has had a truly unique adjustment to the pandemic. Here's her story. Well, my name is Ileana Gonzalez. My friends call me Illy. January 30th, I went home from one of my jobs a little early because I didn't feel so hot. At about, I would say maybe three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, started coughing a lot. So went to the bathroom and coughed and it was bright red blood. I called my partner who lived separately at the time and she said, I'll be right over. I had to go take care of a, per- a person's cat in the building, went and took care of that cat, came back and then packed a, we, we call it a go bag in the broadcast industry. And then my partner came and picked me up. I remember going over the West Seattle Bridge, nobody on the bridge, of course, got to the hospital. My oxygen was at 68%. So automatically they were like, no, we need to get you in here. So they had to do something to kind of put me out so they could treat me and uh, take care of all of this weirdness that was going on inside my body. Come to find out, a month later, I wake up and the world's different too. Way different. The last thing I remember before getting put out was being in the waiting room. So I don't know what happened. They were trying things. They were doing things to try to basically get me to a point where I wasn't crashing. I crashed three times apparently. Uh, So I was under for almost a month. It's a missing chunk, but I had some really wicked dreams. Um, And I think things that they were saying kind of uh, made their way into my dreams because these dreams were really vibrant and kind of crazy, actually. I definitely felt stuff, but I I, I didn't hear or understand things that were happening. My family actually flew up from New Mexico uh, because they didn't think I was going to make it. 
So they wanted them to kind of come and say their last goodbyes. So it was depressing. It was completely depressing because the fact that my, my mom, my brother, and my sister-in-law had to fly up here and basically say their goodbyes to somebody that wasn't even awake. My brother told me, he said, Sis, I didn't know if you were going to make it. We thought we were going to lose you. That just broke my heart. I think it was February 26th is when they woke me up finally. Um, but right before I woke up, I had this weird little dream, I guess, I don't know. And it was my partner was sitting over me and, um, and she said, just so you know, I would make the same decision again. I would make it for Tori. I would make it for Chris. I would make it again. And then the, she pulled the blanket off and then it was like blinding light. And that's when I woke up. I woke up, I couldn't move a muscle. Everything was completely paralyzed from all, all the paralytics that I, they gave me. I had to relearn how to speak, how to um, talk. So there was about two days where they just kind of let me be. So uh, they finally started talking to me about things a couple days after. So it was just, it was pres self-preservation from that point on. I was like, oh geez, what am I gonna do? Like, okay, I just, I guess I'm going to do what they tell me to do and work really hard and try to get out of here. You know, uh, when I woke up, um, coronavirus, the whole COVID-19 was in full progress. I mean, everybody was talking about it. Um, it was interesting. It was, I mean, the world had changed completely. It made me realize that so much was going on around me. They actually closed visitation from March, at March 5th, I think it was about there. Um, so my partner couldn't even come in and see me. It was really strange. You know, think about it. You're not able to move. You're not able to talk. And then your support system gets pulled from you. And I remember after that, I just cried. At the time, the hospital I was in did not have COVID-19 patients. Um, but that changed shortly thereafter. They, they were trying to move all of the patients out of the ICU. So as they were moving us up floors, they were putting in COVID-19 units underneath. Because I heard these nurses talk. And they moved us to the intermediate ICU. You know, you heard things like, and then they moved us up to the ninth floor. One of the administrators had asked him to reuse his gown. And they moved us up to the pediatrics. And he said, absolutely not. So I was just like, whoa, I'm understanding this a lot more than probably people on the outside are understanding it. So, I mean, just you hearing things like that, you're just like, oh my God. What is happening in this world right now? My partner would still call me every night and she would talk to me. And I, we had devised a system where it was kind of like I would, <laughs> with a, a tracheotomy, of course you can't speak, so I would, there was breath sounds. So it would be two for no, three for yes. So it was a lot of, you know, yes, no questions she would ask me. Or she would just tell me things, tell me stories. Like she would say, oh, by the way, that plasmapheresis that they used on you, they're now using that on COVID-19 patients. And I was like, oh, that's interesting, you know. Some of the same uh, techniques that were used to treat me were used in COVID patients, you know, three weeks, a month later, whatever it was. It's a lot of the things that I had to go through, they were now going through. And now that I'm out of the hospital, my new apartment has this rooftop deck 
where I come up here and I just spend time like I'm doing right now. I absolutely missed just being outside so much that I got to experience that when I went from my second hospital to my third hospital and it was raining. Oh, and I got to feel the little droplets on my face and I was so happy to be out there and in the rain. So I was in the first one until, let's see, March 23rd-ish. And then I was in the next one for a little over two weeks and then transferred to the third one. And that was about two and a half weeks. So I was so looking forward to for all those months, you know, I can't wait, can't wait. Then when they said discharge date of uh, May 9th, I was like, oh, great. Now I have a date. Now I know when I'm going to go back to the real world. Um, but then a week before, I started getting extremely anxious, like, like scared of coming back into the world. My partner, when she had to come in to, to do like, she had to learn things that, you know, like therapy and occupational therapy and what I was going through for, for cognitive. And then the next day I got discharged and came back into the real world, which was completely different and almost scary. Um, when I got released or discharged, uh, I remember going down the freeway and thinking, wow, just everything seems so weird to me. And at the same time, much more beautiful because I never realized certain little things. Just It just, the world looked different to me. So, you know, wake up, get up, eat, um, take, so medications, that's a big deal. So I take them like four times a day. Take tons of pills. <laughs> and then... Um, in the morning, I try to do like leg stretches or, you know, because my muscles aren't where they used to be. So now I'm trying to get them back to that point. I'm just working on it and hoping that everything comes back kind of, you know, even if I get like 90%, that would be amazing. So I think I'll leave it at this. I had this beautiful view of the Husky Stadium and the water and it was gorgeous. And then one of the nurses told me the wing that was facing me, she said every one of those rooms that has a pipe coming out of it is a COVID-19 patient and it changed the way I looked at that. I mean, it was still a beautiful view, but I, I couldn't ignore that anymore because I knew what was happening in each one of those rooms and that somebody was fighting for their life. And sometimes, you know, people that are dying don't, can't have visitors. So the only sense of human touch are those nurses and they try to do everything they can just to be there for you. So it's, it's just one of those things like, if you have a, somebody in your life that's a nurse, like definitely thank them. Thank you, Ellie. That's all for this episode of Podcast West Seattle Pandemic Diaries. Please subscribe to Podcast West Seattle wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find the show online at podcastwestseattle.com. I'll be back later this week with a special non-pandemic related episode. Until then... A heartfelt thank you to all those protesters who've been out there fighting for justice. Stay healthy and stay home when you can. Mm -hmm.